You're listening to the Quicker Than Fast podcast with your hosts, Michael and Robert Hardwick. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Quicker Than Fast Podcast to stay up to date on NFL news, information regarding episodes, and to join the conversation. And why not hit that like and share button on our Facebook page? And thank you for your support. Ladies and gentlemen, pull out your hair ties. It's time to let your hair down and truly get funky. Hello and welcome everyone to episode 37 of the Quicker Than Fast podcast. As always, I am your host, Michael Hardwick, joined by my brother, Robert. Yo. Uh, and we're we're back post-draft. Um, we're hitting that time of the year where, you know, draft's done. You're starting to look at the schedule, um, trying to guess maybe uh, records coming up this year. I know we'll be doing that in a later episode, but episode 37, uh, we're going to do an NFL draft review or recap, um, kind of hitting on some of the highlights from the draft. Uh, give you some of our favorite drafts and, and, and worst draft class or draft picks. Um, and then we're going to break down the schedule a little bit, go through some of the easier schedules, some of the more difficult schedules. Um, and then we're going to give you some, you know, games that we are looking forward to this upcoming year. So just a uh, general takeaway, Robert, this time of the year, what are you looking, you know, to get your NFL fix? What yeah. Kind of doing this time of year. Well, OTAs are starting. We're kind of watching the NFL network right now. Uh, all the rookies kind of getting in, kind of seeing what they're starting to look like. I was, I'll be honest, I was kind of shocked by the draft with all the moving that was going on. Michael and I talked about while we were watching it. It was probably one of the faster drafts we'd ever seen. But, I mean, you watch all the quarterbacks, you think might go in the first round, might go in the second round, fall to the third. So a lot of pressure taken off of them necessarily for, do you got to start year one? But that's what I'm excited to see is those guys that dropped a long ways, Malik Willis, uh, Sam Howell into the fifth round. A lot of those guys that you thought could sneak in, I want to see how they do, you know, over the summer and how they grow. Yeah, I mean, there's, I guess, my two takeaways during this time of the year would just be, you know, they're both OTA related. Um, you know, be careful not to fall into the trap of like, you know, everybody looks good this time of year. I mean, you get everybody looks good without pads. Yeah, on. all the reports come out. You know, this guy is the best shape they've ever been in. Blah blah blah. Just, you know, take that with a, you know, grain of salt because you know they're, these players are are going to come into their own during the season. We'll we'll really find out. But also just, you know, enjoy it to enjoy getting those, you know, it really gets you excited for the season thinking that you might have, you know, a true Super Bowl contender. I mean, there are some teams out there that definitely got better during the draft and we'll break down some of that. So sit back, relax, crack a beer, enjoy episode 37 of the Quicker Than Fast podcast. We're going to dive right into it. So, you know, we're going to talk first just a little bit about the news and some notes, things happening, you know, uh, in the last couple of weeks. I guess, you know, one of them signing Melvin Ingram, just signed with the Dolphins. I I generally think that's a pretty good signing. What do you take with uh, them getting the edge rusher who previously, you know, played on the Chiefs um, last year? Yeah, I think he still has, you know, a lot of potential left. He's a high energy guy. You saw what he did last year when, you know, when he was on the field and aggressive, he was, he looked like his former self. So I think it's a great pickup and it's, it, it's going to pay dividends for him when, you know, the time comes for him to step up. And it was one of the needs that they had and they couldn't address it during the draft. They, you know, all their draft picks were caught up in Tyree kill essentially. And, they needed to to make some moves. Dolphins also signed Sony Michelle coming from the Rams. Another depth signing there just to you know clog up that already pretty deep and convoluted running back group. Um, otherwise, we're going to you know turn to the Saints here. Saints signed both uh, Tyron Matthew uh, right after the draft, and then uh, just the other day um, Jarvis Landry. So give me your thoughts. I think I personally think these are a a signings for him. Yeah, and I think a lot of people kind of projected those two players to the Saints. It's great for what their needs are. 
We'll see if Michael Thomas comes back. If he does this year and is healthy, that's a great pairing right there for Jameis Winston to be throwing to. Uh, you always take Tyron Matthew, his leadership, his playmaking ability, and they kind of need a defense that always plays angry, but they need, you know, just to take it to the next level there. When you got a coach coming in that's kind of a defensive-minded coach, Dennis Allen, I I, I think it's going to, you know, be a lot of where their points come from and get them to win those games like they did last year against the Buccaneers in a low-scoring game. To me, that's how they win that division. You know, and I look – this kind of, I think, tells you either there's some – potential issues with Alvin Kamara and, and a possible suspension based off what happened in Las Vegas after the Pro Bowl or Michael Thomas, as you mentioned or alluded to, not maybe being there for the start of the season. Reports are he he still needs some time to recover from this ankle surgery he had late last year, um, which could set him back. Maybe, you know, maybe we see him start on the pup list and he's out six weeks to start the year. It's very possible. And in that case, Jarvis Landry then and Chris Olave run that group. Or in the case of if Alvin Kamara misses time, they're going to become much you know, more reliant on the passing group, so they're going to need all their weapons they can get. So otherwise, the other news is just – Yeah, know. and I, I got a couple other pieces. you kind of seen, you know, like Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, those guys have gone to ESPN. Moving around. And yep. that's been some old news. Uh, you see the Amazon package coming for Thursday Night Football, Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreet. Um, Kirk will obviously be doing college football and NFL. And then obviously Kay Adams leaving Good Morning Football. Yep. Big loss there. Um, it sounds like she may be doing the pregame show for the Amazon Thursday Night Football. No official announcement yet, but the rumors with that is maybe her and Pat McAfee may be doing the Thursday or Thursday pregame for that. So be a lot of energy in it, but a lot of shuffling when it comes around to streaming right now makes it difficult for everybody to find games. But it's the world we live in, and the money coming through streaming. Yeah, I mean, and I'm excited to see kind of how these new announcers, you know, changing networks and working, you know, people working together. We haven't seen Al Michaels work with somebody different for quite a while now, so yeah. excited to see how that works out. And yeah, Kay Adams, she's a, you know going to be missed on Good Morning Football. But last thing to talk about is just Deshaun Watson. You know, update. It sounds like he's meeting with the NFL today, actually, um, kind of talking about the situation to see whether or not a suspension will come out. And I know then, I think, believe this weekend or next week, he's going to the Bahamas with the offensive group, I believe, for the Browns. So, I mean, it doesn't look like he's too concerned. He's trying to get that, you know, chemistry built up with the Browns offense. But I guess your takeaways, do you think a suspension's coming down the line? Do you think it's something that's going to get pushed off until the civil stuff? I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I think one's on the way. Um, I think a couple factors play in this is the fact that they don't have as many primetime games as you would expect them to have Early with, with the team that they have, obviously, and – you know, with the money that goes to a quarterback of Deshaun Watson's ability and the fact that they haven't got rid of Baker Mayfield yet. And Baker, I don't think, would play in that situation. But it also speaks that, you know, it's kind of like the Kyler Murray or the Cardinals thing with Marquise Brown and or in Hopkins. Yep. Maybe the Browns know something that the NFL doesn't yet. And so I would just kind of watch that whole process work out. But I do think he spends a, or has a suspension at some point during the season. Yeah, I mean, it could be an eight-week suspension that he, uh, you know, will appeal and it gets brought down to six. Uh, but you know, Jacoby Brissett would be the starter with Baker. Then there, I think Baker potentially could get moved if a quarterback gets injured in training camp. Um, you know, they do have, and we'll talk about it, but a Monday Night Football game week eight, and I kind of feel that Deshaun Watson will be playing in that Monday Night Football game, whether he's already served a suspension or it's pushed out until the civil suits are resolved yeah and for those of you wondering like why hasn't been baker hasn't baker been moved and all these things a lot of it has to do with the browns you know want other teams to take his contract take the money i don't know if he's owed 18 million something it's way too much for yeah, baker something big 
And so they obviously want off that contract with the amount of money they're paying other players. Well, if you're a team like the Panthers or the Seahawks, or why are you taking on that contract when you can bring in somebody that's going to be just as serviceable as Baker and you can build a team around that you can plug somebody in in the future. So I think that is a lot of the issue with that. And I think it's going to be, you know, a headstrong battle between the two. And I think he ultimately gets released because there's going to be no team that will end up taking that contract. And I know we've talked about this, whether it was on air or off air, but it's very similar, I think, to what could happen when Eagles traded Sam Darnold to the Vikings. Ended up getting good return because it put the Vikings up against the wall. Sam Bradford. What did I say there? Darnold. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Sam Bradford situation. You know, Sam, there was an injury there for the Vikings. Sam Bradford with Teddy and Sam Bradford then stepped in. Eagles got a nice return. But you could look around the league and if, you know, a, a team who might be in contention loses their quarterback for half a year or something, Baker then could find himself with a late round pick flip to that team. Yeah, and so. Jimmy Garoppolo not being moved yet. A lot of, you know, rumors with Trey Lance maybe not being yep. ready or the guy. So do they hold on to him? But I think there's a lot of teams that go, I would take Jimmy Garoppolo, his experience and playoff experience before they would spend the money on uh, Baker Mayfield. But we can hop off that, go to some draft news that Michael has here, kind of our grades on things as well. Yeah, so I mean, we could honestly talk NFL draft, the you know, this episode, next episode, and the following episode. Um, you know, we watched every single pick. Uh, we we kind of know where everybody went. But we're going to kind of try to, you know, highlight more than, than just give you a, a broad summary and I think, you know, we'll go through the top 10 here first, and then we'll give you five teams that we love, five teams that we hated, and then just a few highlights from the, you know, second and third round. We're not going to get into that late late round stuff, even though that's my favorite part of the draft. But we start off, you know, no surprise to us uh, after talking about it on the episode, but maybe surprise some of you. Trevon Walker went first overall to the Jaguars. Uh, Robert, give me your grade for Trevon Walker to the Jags. Yeah, and Michael and I might differ on this. I give it a D. Um, you can't convince me that he's the top-rated player in that class. I think you either have to take Hutchinson or take Equanu, like we talked about in that, even if it was Evan Neal. But he's not the best player available at number one, and you're too bad of a franchise to be making picks that are that cute. Yeah, I'm trying to debate, do I give it a, like a C-plus or B-minus? I think I'll give it a B-minus just because there is, obviously, there's there's high potential there. Um, but I agree, he wasn't my favorite to be picked there. I know I mocked him there, but... When you're the number one pick, yeah. you can't pick just based off potential. No, I don't think, like, yeah, you can't make, if, say, best case scenario is a B-minus pick across boards. That's, that's not what you want as your first overall pick. So not a lot more to say there. We'll be talking about the Jags potentially here um, in one of our top five or bottom five. So we move now to, to number two, Aiden Hutchinson falls into the lap of the Lions. We talked, this is a dream scenario for the Lions. They don't have to reach potentially. We mocked quarterback at one time. This is where, how crazy this guy. Um, they got a perfect fit in Aiden Hutchinson. Your thoughts? Because I give it um, a, a plus. Yeah, I'll go with you A plus. I'll expand on it a little bit. Um, Dan Campbell came out and said they got in trouble again in this draft like last year because they make their picks too quickly. So, again, it pushes the show down. down. So, but again, last year you got Panay Sewell that falls in your lap. You're excited. You got the guy you want in Hutchinson here in your lap. You're excited. So, I I love the direction the franchise is going. And I think you bring in, you know, the caliber player that the Boses are, the the, uh, Chase Youngs are. He's not there yet, but they're moving in the right direction. Yep. We move now. We got Derek Stingley Jr. going to the Texans. I told you guys to watch out for this on the episode before the draft. I thought it was a possibility. And, you know, the potential, if he hits it, Derek Stingley's absolutely worth the third overall pick. It's just, you know, whether Lovey Smith can get the most out of the guy. Um, you know, I'm going to give it uh, I'm gonna give it a B plus. I love Derek Stingley as freshman year. I know there's some question marks there, but I think if anybody could get something out of him, it would be a Lovey Smith defense. Yeah, I'll give it a B minus. I don't hate it, don't love it. But if you're going to go cornerback, 
those two are kind of neck and neck. So you flip the coin. If that's who you want, you take him. He obviously has some injury history we talked about, but based off again, potential, he could be, you know, that elite number one corner. And the question here is, do you go uh, like a guy that came on Thibodeau there at three, who's now your third best defensive lineman probably on your board or your, what you would consider your number one corner. They went with their top guy. Number four sauce, Ramad sauce Gardner goes to the jets corner. Um, can't say I was super surprised, but it did still catch me off guard with all the offensive linemen still there. Um, but yeah, Sauce Gardner, they thought he was the number one corner. He lands in the Big Apple. Yeah, I'll give it an A. And the only reason for that is because the draft board shook out to work perfect for them. Oh, yeah. And we'll talk about that in the future. But like, they need that number one corner that they missed since Darrell Revis and Cromartie and those guys were there. They bring in that type of player. I think there's going to be a little bit of a adjustment coming from Cincinnati into the big leagues. But I think he can handle it, especially now when you're, you know, in those tough divisions with, you know, Stefan Diggs and Tyree killing those guys. You absolutely need him. So he's going to earn his paycheck this year. Absolutely. And and it's funny, you know, go watch the video. Sauce couldn't get out of there fast enough. He was trying to go the other way when no. he heard that Jets pick. But moving now to the other New York team, the Giants, actually. This was the, probably my my first surprise was Kayvon Thibodeau to the, to the Giants at five. You know, I, I'm going to – this one's going to be a one I want to kind of study going, you know, going forward. But – why was there so much of he's going to fall out of the top 10? Normally we get that super close to the draft as a smoke. We were getting that months ago. Yeah. So I'm just curious on, you know, did the, were the Giants the only team in the top 10 that really graded him that high? Either way, they get their edge rush they've been looking for since, you know, Michael Strahan left. Yeah, I give it an A- minus just because, like you talk about, the, their best teams had the best edge rushers. You bring that back in there. It all depends on how much he wants to play football compared to the New York you know, business life that he's so interested in. But I, I think in his, you know, uh, conversations afterwards, he's definitely committed to wanting to do it and being a part of those Giants teams. I don't think the Giants are as far away as people think they are, but Thibodeau is the right step on that defense they're about to, to be get going. In a, yeah, they're about to be in a situation where they're a QB away. And we, we yeah. say that a lot, but, you know, it works. Uh, you know, we see it year after year. You know, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a solid A, mainly because of how it ended up working out. I think I'm kind of looking at it as a whole here. But then, uh, you know, Ikam, uh, or Iki Aquanu, uh, ended up going to the Panthers at six. You know, my top-rated offensive lineman goes in perfectly fitting in because, you know, Panthers already had a right tackle in Taylor Martin, who is, you know, one of the, the best in the league at right tackle. They needed a true left. And I think Evan Neal and Charles Cross had enough of question marks to me of can they truly be a left. I think Iki slots in there as a dominant run guy for Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I'll give I'll, it an A+. Plus. Yeah, I'll give it an A+, plus too, because they didn't panic at that point. They didn't expect him to be there. Took best available like the good teams do, you know, like the Packers and the Ravens and those teams. Took best available player, didn't fall for the Kenny Pickett stuff. We thought maybe Malik Willis there didn't go till third round. But again, A+, plus, you stay pat with what your board is. Yeah, and again, you know, North Carolina State's where he went, got that local kid there. I know that they were absolutely thrilled, and he could not be more excited to be a Panther. Number seven, Evan Neal, then, you know, the guy that we thought, you know, is it is it Evan Neal? Is it Charles Cross at the Giants like? Well, they get their guy at seven, and it was Evan Neal all along by all accounts. So they end up with, you know, arguably in two blue chip players in Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal. If you tell me that last year, they end up with both those players, you couldn't have a better draft. Yeah. Early, give it an A minus. Yeah. Early in this process, and I'll give it an A plus again. Early in this process, I thought Evan Neal would go one or Thibodeau would go two. So if you're telling me at that point they got one and two, I think they already have Andrew Thomas. You can bring in Evan Neal. You solidify your tackles long-term. Oh, next 10 years. I, I think they're building in the right way. And I've mentioned this multiple times. The Eagles did this when they were successful. 
but the Cowboys. The Cowboys had a dominant line and then filled the pieces in around it, and I think they're moving in that right direction. Absolutely. Yeah, number eight, then we got the first wide receiver off the board, Drake London, ended up at the Falcons. And, you know, I can't hate this pick based off how the board ended up. I'm giving it a B. Um, you know, it's a it's a value pick. It's just Drake London's not my favorite wide receiver out of, on the list, but uh, I think how he fits there, what they're building, it's like a bunch of, you know, basketball players out there, 50-50 guys with Pitts and London. And we'll talk, you know, you know, Brian Edwards got traded from the Raiders there. Uh, you know, it's jump ball city up there, but either way, you know, they take what they, they consider their best wide receiver. Um, we'll see how it translates, but on the board, all the edges are gone. Top corners are gone. And besides trading back, I think they made the best. Yeah. I think Thibodeau was probably the pick there. If he made it get another edge rush that they've missed so badly, I'll give it a B plus just for the fact that can you imagine being a team? They get off the bus. They have Drake London and Kyle Pitts. I mean, that's a that's a basketball team that they're putting on the field there, yeah. which helps your young quarterbacks out and be able to, you know, not have to be so precise in your throws. Not a Drake London fan. He has a lot for me or to prove for me to really be on board yeah. with it. But if if he's your true number one wide receiver in that room, you got him. Yeah, I mean, you absolutely, you know, they obviously think he's going to be closer to the Mike Evans, Michael Pittman range and i think i just i'm scared he's closer right now to the you know not jj i think a white side but just that big bodied guy that can't create so the let's uh yeah i mean that those type of players that just can't you know mac hollins the eagles had and he got the dolphins and now got moved uh, i'm not sure where he just ended up but you know big bodied guy that has some some speed to separate but like it just it didn't work for him and i just i'm worried he's closer to that right now than, it, it'll be interesting to see what he runs since he didn't run in his pro day yeah uh, I think he, that's probably what scares me the most. Yeah, and he plays he plays fast and this and that, but at the next level, can he really truly separate with that speed? A lot to be determined. But I I think he could have went even higher if he would have ran, you know, like a, a low four, four four. Yeah. Yep. Four four. He's a, he's a top you know top eight for sure. I mean he's he's probably stretching into that four right you know to the Jets. Yep. But anyways, number nine we got Charles Cross, the the tackle out of Mississippi State, uh, goes to the Seahawks, who finally invest in the offensive line since Russell Okung in the first round. I just I like the pick. I think it's a value pick. Um, maybe Charles Cross wasn't my favorite guy, but in terms of upside, he has true number one, you know, uh, tackle upside. So your thoughts? Yeah, I'll, I'll give it. A, I'm going to give it a B plus. Yeah, I'll give it a B just because they've needed a line so bad for so long. Obviously, Russell Wilson now. I mean, he's in a good situation, but he's probably looking back like, what the hell? But I've never been big on Charles Cross yet, but I feel like he can grow in that system. He's really going to have to be that anchor early, though, because that offensive line is really bad. But, again, you take the best available at that position, in my opinion, and there was such a fall-off between offensive line after you got past the first four. Yeah, I'd give it a higher than a B-plus because, I mean, I think, again, value is great. But he does – I mean, his struggling is in the run game. Now, they're a team that wants to run the ball more, so there's just that question mark. But it's not like you're going to, you know, pass on the player because, you you know, he has a weakness. I mean, everybody does. and and they think they can coach him up. So Charles Cross ends up at Seattle Seahawks. Number 10, Jets again. Home run pick, our top rated wide receiver, Garrett Wilson's off the board. Now, I talked about this earlier, that I thought he was a better fit there than Drake London. Get a guy that could create separation and get open for Zach Wilson instead of making Zach throw the 50-50 balls. Just a guy that can – best route running probably in the draft. So what are your thoughts? I give it an A minus Garrett Wilson at the Jets. Yeah, I'll give it an A. And if you remember a couple episodes ago, I thought he could go at number four for him. So it makes sense if you get him there. I was really surprised the Falcons bypassed him, honestly. 
his game tape is just so much better at the Ohio State. You look at the Ohio State wide receivers that have come out the last couple of years, and they've been studs. So I think you would went with that pedigree instead of Drake London there. My, my thing is I think he could be a Jamar Chase type of player year one, but that division is so tough. Yep. And Zach Wilson has so much to improve on that I think his talent might get lost a little bit. But you really got to pay attention to him because he is a special talent. And I, as much as I love Garrett Wilson too, I personally think next season Elijah Moore has still has his breakout to where he's still the better receiver next year. But then I think that flips and Garrett Wilson's second year. If he year. doesn't get traded for Debo Samuel in the process. I, I mean, Elijah Moore could still find himself yep. moved, but I think two young electric, you know, uh, ball in their hand or route running receivers at speed guys, uh, great offense for him. Just a couple other highlight picks, maybe some surprises we saw in the first round. I'm not going to go through every pick, but Chris Olave, number 11 to the Saints with Hurt other wide, with other wide receivers on the board. I know you wanted him at the Packers. I love Chris Olave. I was thinking he's more in the 20 range type of a player. He goes 11 to the Saints. We've talked a little bit about now their wide receiver core. Then we got Jameis Williams going to the the Lions. What's your thoughts about the trade up? to go get Jameis Williams. Yeah, it was really surprising. You and, and I were shocked. And Michael and I laughed too because his reaction at the time, it was kind of like, a, I'm not going to Detroit. Yep. And all the pictures since, it's kind of, a, I don't want to be here. I don't know if that's the case. But to move all the way up and to give as little as they did, in my opinion, to move all the way up there, yep. to get who's going to be your number one receiver. And we got Amon St. Brown. Or yeah, Monroe. Yeah, Monroe St. Brown. DJ like, Chark. You're setting up a good foundation there at the wide receiver core for your future. I think they can be a dangerous team. We'll talk about their strength of schedule coming up. But I loved the move because it's showing that we're not just going to look towards next year. We're going to be aggressive and go try to get what we need. Well, in way too, the t- obviously the team knows like they're going to be better next year. They're going to remain competitive, but they also they are the type of team that can take that shot on um, a guy like Jamison Williams who could be the best receiver in this class. He was, you know, my favorite minus the injury, but, you know, they can let him sit for, you know, six games if they need for him to be fully healthy because it's the team that's just on the build anyways. And, and the team that they traded with, they traded with the Vikings. Yep. I thought the Vikings would take Jamison Williams, and we mocked it in some that we yep. did. It doesn't make sense why they didn't, especially to give it to somebody in division like that that could haunt you down the road. Now, I'll just kind of highlight this for a second. I, I truly like the Vikings draft, especially the first couple mm-hmm. picks. Just didn't like this move because they didn't get enough, in my opinion, on yep. return for for moving out of there. But uh, we move now. Just a couple more things. AJ Brown, of course, we saw traded to the Vi- or to, traded to the Eagles from the Titans. Um, I was, you know, obviously thrilled with this happen, giving up a first and then a, a third essentially for AJ Brown. But then we'll couple this here. Titans then draft his replacement, Traylon Burks. Give me your thoughts of that whole trade. Yeah, A.J. Brown. I think the Eagles finally admitted we don't draft well with wide receivers. And so, go. I can give up this pick and have a veteran that I know is good. We have the money, obviously, with a rookie on a or a quarterback on a rookie deal. Um, I'll let you talk more about the other side of the deal, the player they got with it. But A.J. Brown's going to bring them, you know, that playmaking ability that they're really looking for and somebody that uh, Hurts can trust. Um, the other shakeup with that too, and we'll talk about this down the road, is Marquise Brown. Though, like the yep. wide receiver trades in the first round of veterans was insane. Yep. But I'll let you talk about Dotson. Yeah, well, Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks, Burks ends up to the Titans, and you know all he is is maybe a little bit slower. AJ Brown, you know, and I don't think he was as refined as AJ Brown coming out. But I love Traylon Burks. Yep. And I think they already talked. They're going to force feed Traylon Burks into that A.J. Brown role. And in my opinion, a little high Yeah, drafted. But mm-hmm. if you're trading that type of player for that type of player on a different contract, 
My only problem with all this is, and the wide receiver market is so insane financially right now, but what we want another AJ Brown, you have AJ Brown, like sign AJ Brown because Ryan Tannehill may be moving on with Malik Willis being drafted. You can afford him in the future, but for the Eagles, it's an absolute steal. Yeah. I mean, just look at, uh, Rabel's uh, face when they when he found out they traded AJ Brown that'll tell you everything you need to know. The last thing I want to talk about with the you know first round here is the one quarterback that we had go. You know Kenny Pickett goes to uh, the, Steelers. the Steelers. You know and we're sitting here watching the draft together, drinking beer, and we were shocked when it wasn't Malik Willis in a way because we were like everybody the reports Malik Willis will be a Steeler if he's there, and it was Kenny Pickett. So I mean, I, and there are those ties of course to. Uh, you know, him practicing every day in that facility and that they had all this time to meet with him and stuff. But give me your grade for Kenny Pickett to the Steelers. And do you think he's the week one starter? Yeah, I'll give it a C. Um, I think he is week one starter, but I think it's a C. For his situation, it's an A. You go in with a great defense. Um, you go in with, you know, great wide receivers. And I think he can be successful early. I just think... At that point, and if you truly know that, you know, these quarterbacks are probably going to go later because of what you've heard, you take Malik Willis later, let Trubisky play. Because right now, I don't think there's a big difference between Trubisky and uh, Pickett. So you see if Malik Willis can be Patrick Mahomes or those types of players. That's my issue with it. In terms of for Kenny Pickett, it's an absolute A for him. You're in your hometown, but there is going to be a lot of pressure on him immediately when he comes in because you are the hometown golden boy. So I've got a question for you here. Do you believe Kenny Pickett is closer to Joe Burrow or closer to Mike or Mitch Trubisky, right? Mitchell two top, Trubisky. Two top picks, both guys going to situ. Obviously, Joe Burrow does the hometown thing, comes off a senior year where he blew up. Same with Trubisky, right? You weren't talking about him as a freshman. He has one year really that spotlight. Same with Burrow. I think Kenny Pickett actually in this system, this coaching staff, is closer to a Joe Burrow effect for this team. Than he'll Kenny, he'll than put up Trubisky. He'll put up numbers where you go, oh my god, he's having a great year, but he's not that uh, transcending player like Burrow can be. Because you look at Burrow, he had seven sacks in the Super Bowl, ten sacks, whatever against the Titans. Like Kenny Pickett can't overcome those types of things like Burrow can do with the Bengals. If you pull Burrow out of the Bengals, they're back to a number one pick. You pull Pickett out like they did last year. Roethlisberger was horrible. They got into the playoffs in yep. the first round. So that tells you, you know, what kind of situation he's getting into. But I just, any other year, Kenny Pickett is an end of second round pick, in my opinion. Yep. And so this was just an overdraft of, you know, he's in the hometown. He's used to this being in the facility and this and that. And I get Steelers fans are excited because you've had so few quarterbacks and the the possibility that either Mason Rudolph or Trubisky is your quarterback scares it's you. Terrifying. And so I, I get the excitement behind it, but he's just, I'll probably eat my words later, but he's not going to be that transcending player you're looking for. No, and I think he's going to be an above average player, but I, I just think he, my big concern was, yeah, he had great wide receivers at Pitt. You know, Jordan Addison won the Blinktikoff award, like his, his wide receiver USC now. or Texas he's visiting yeah. there, but you know, he's going to transfer out and, I just think like he had this great wide receiver core, great coaching at Pitt. That's why he had successes last year. I think he goes into Steelers team though that has those weapons, has that coaching staff. So I think he at least translates to a very similar, comfortable situation. Let me ask you a question here. And obviously we kind of know what the one player is because he's played in a couple of games. If Jordan Love was in this draft, mm-hmm. and I use it as reference because as, as a Packers fan, 
Jordan Love went what like the third or fourth quarterback in that draft? Almost fifth. I yeah. So I think fourth. So if you throw Jordan Love in there, Kenny Pickett in the same draft, and it, obviously everybody knows what he is, so everybody's going to have their own judgment. But would Love go before Pickett in that? Hundred percent. And the reason I say that is because I was a huge Jordan Love guy. I remember talking to you about how much Jordan Love was my like favorite quarterback in that class of dark horse to like mm-hmm. be really really good. So when they drafted him, I know you were pissed, but I was like, I love this guy. What he can be is he's got that Mahomes type talent. You know, not saying he was even close to that, but that's why I think in this class, those the measurables that Jordan Love had and the talent would have been too much not to take a chance on when the Steelers were already interested in the quarterback like Deshaun Watson. And, and to me, that's the difference there is the fact that Jordan Love had the ability because they compared him to, is he Patrick Mahomes? Is he Patrick Mahomes? Like, those are the types of players you take in that position, which was the Packers did in that. I feel like the Steelers panicked a little bit there and go, well, we got to take a quarterback. We got to take Pickett. Where he probably was going to be there in the second round just based off of how the board fell. In my opinion, Matt Corral and Kenny Pickett are no different, and they went three rounds apart. Two rounds apart. Two rounds apart. But you could have put Corral in that system too with those quarterback or with those wide receivers in that defense, and I think had the same amount of success. Yeah. Well, that's probably more Kenny Pickett talk than most of you probably wanted to hear, but – it's just an interesting dynamic. I mean, some of the takeaways, you know, from this first round really was there were no trades in the top 10, but then it got really busy, you know, middle of the rounds, but it went quick. It was a fast draft. And obviously we saw it was a weak quarterback class. We saw a consensus across the board that people didn't value the quarterbacks in this class minus the Steelers, but obviously a glaring need and a team that did the most, you know, besides maybe the Panthers, the most research, but they were in a position where they, you know, at 20, whatever they were picked 21 or 20, it wasn't like it was the biggest reach in the world. Yeah, and I want to add one more thing into that takeaway is it is glaringly obvious that the Seahawks are tanking for next year for a quarterback because you had the chance to get a Malik Willis and those guys later, and they all passed on him. So but that then, was my big takeaway yeah. as I watched it go by, though, is the fact that you're going to go into the year with Drew Locke or Geno Smith yeah. and then hope to God that you get one of them. I, I get it. You're in a, strong, a really strong conference and division there, but – it, and, it was funny to watch. And I think it's the same thing that can be said about the Giants too, where like I know they brought in these blue chip prospects and I like their draft, but they're also sitting there in the second round to be able to go get a guy like Malik Willis. And you didn't pick up the, the fifth-year contract on your, on your quarterback. And that's another thing I think here too. We saw a ton of teams decline fifth-year options on very talented players. Josh Jacobs was one of those. And I think then you know, you're just wondering, is are we seeing this, this big boom in, in players' contracts because the salary cap guaranteed money booms? And so teams can't tie up money in a fifth-year contract when you're going to have to have money in escrow to pay bonuses and guarantee yeah, money. And I'll say this, and we won't get into contract talks because Michael and I could talk about this forever, but fifth-year contract or options or long-term contracts for running backs are absolutely horrible. You don't do them. You yeah. just go draft somebody else and move on. So the Jacob deal didn't surprise me much. No, it didn't. But in terms of, you know, everybody says it's Daniel Jones's last go at this. Seems like he's been there longer than Eli Manning has. It, oh, just, it, feels, it like, feels like forever. It feels like but, four years ago when he was tripping going into the end zone against the Eagles. I, I feel like truly what they're doing is, you know, setting everything up. And I think the Seahawks, they had a pretty good draft, but they're setting everything up and trying to attract free agent into next year and say, you know, this is going to be our veteran. I'm just going to highlight two, the, two teams here real fast just because they're hot topping or, you know, talking points. Um, I'll just do it real quick because I know one of them is a little biased for you. But Packers and Chiefs, I wanted to talk about them not taking wide receivers in the first round. They decided we've got elite quarterbacks. 
and we have a plan for the second round. And I told people this, I, that don't be surprised when they don't take the seventh best wide receiver in the first round or sixth best wide receiver and instead go get a top corner, a top, you know, linebacker, offensive line piece or something. Packers come away with Devontae Wyatt and Quay Walker, two players I absolutely love from the Georgia defense. Packers ranked 28th last year in the run defense. They aren't going to win a Super Bowl if they can if they bleed that bad in the defensive side. Both these players, incredible against the run, immediate impact players. Chiefs, Trent McDuffie, incredible day one starter Their at corner. secondary struggled. Right? I, I, they get him in the secondary. George Karloft is not our favorite player, but his value mm-hmm. as a guy who's just going to bull rush off the edge, replace Melvin Ingram, I'm completely cool with that pick where they did it. And you see and that then with the Chiefs was they take as many edge rushers as they can to try to develop them. And then we see what they did in the second round, quarter, or, you know, going Christian Watson and going Sky Moore. And that's where we're going to go here. Second round now, some highlights. Christian Watson to the Packers, Robert. Yeah, and, and and for those of you that saw my mock draft on the Facebook page, I kind of read through that because I activated Facebook for a little bit. There was conversation about, like, what the hell is he thinking? But I I had Wyatt going in the first pick where Walker went in that because I, I had heard, you know, just through Packers Twitter and those things that they absolutely love Devontae Wyatt. I love the pick. I love the Walker pick. Um, again, Chris Olave would have been my ideal situation there. He obviously went really early. That's too much capital to give up to go get, you know, a wide receiver in that. And you're seeing over the last couple of years, the wide receiver depth is so deep and they're so good and impactful this early. Do I know if Christian Watson's going to be, you know, a pro bowler year one? I think there's going to be some growing pains for him. I'm a little more excited for some wide receivers that they got later in the draft, Romeo Dubs. Um he seems like he may be a little more impactful in the first year, in my opinion. I think they're going to be more active, but I love the way that they just stuck to their board. Like I said, the Ravens, the Packers, the Eagles at times, but you know, these teams that stay pat to what their board is, stay true and take best available. Yeah. I mean, to me, Christian Watson of the Packers, he replaces MVS, which is, I think this is an upgrade on MVS by midseason. He, he's, he's supposed more to be what MVS was supposed to develop into, in my opinion. Yeah. And I didn't mean to stare away from just the Packers talk. The Chiefs getting Sky Moore is huge. And it's 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 greatly overlooked. People thought he could, you know, go earlier in the first round. That is a Tyree Kill light. It, it, he he absolutely could be what Tyreek Hill is, and you're paying a hell of a lot less for it. Now, see the thing is, and again, I talked about this. They're not trying to replace Tyreek Hill. They're gonna they're moving this offense in a different direction. To me, Sky Moore is a little bit closer to DJ Moore than sure. than Tyreek Hill. But if he can get if he can get DJ Moore in the second round like they did, sure. it's a hell of a player. And what they're doing is getting a guy who runs great routes, can still beat you down the field like Tyreek Hill, but also. We know what the size of hands he has. He catches everything. Yep. So he becomes a weapon that can run around a little bit like Tyree Kill, but maybe is more consistent uh, and maybe can stay on the field a little bit more than, than Tyree Kill with his injuries. Yeah, and we'll talk about teams and depths as we go. My one concern is what the Packers want to do with Christian Watson to use him on sweeps and get him running the ball. I don't know how that holds up in the NFL with linebackers hitting you like that. But if you go look at Christian Watson's numbers with NDSU, they're huge numbers for a team that ran the ball a lot. He has drop issues. He's got to work on those. My only hope with all that is Aaron Rodgers gets in training camp and works with these wide receivers instead of holding out until the end of the and, summer. And my other fear, and we'll wrap up the Packers conversation with this, Christian Watson I think is a, a year away from being truly impactful compared, seeing what Packers have done with rookie wide receivers in the past. I think he's going to lean on Lazard, Tunyon, and Cobb, and Aaron Jones first year, which is great. I mean, that's fine. Julio Jones? Possibly <laughs> Julio Jones. 
But I think if it takes Watson a year, is Rodgers even there in year two? Mm-hmm. Is and by then maybe you're getting a great Christian Watson in his second season with a Jordan Love, and then Jordan Love's going into th- year three of Christian Watson. So I, I mean, I think just long term the Watson pick's great for the Packers overall too. I'm just talking maybe for, for some fantasy, but like I, Christian Watson, he might take a little bit of time, but he can do what MVS did for sure. Next, Brees Hall to the Jets. Um, we mocked this. We we and, talked about it. A and lot. after we talked about the Jets, possibly you know they move back up for Jermaine Johnson at the end of the first round, three first round Killer picks. Pick after falling a lot further than we thought they get after another rumor that they were almost to move up to get a fourth first round pick for to get Brees Hall. They couldn't get the trade done. They get him on day two, a minus there because Brees Hall can make an impact behind that offensive line with Michael Carter. Yeah. I feel so bad for Jets fans because we'll talk about their draft in a little bit here, but Brees Hall, Michael and I mocked him said, this is where he's probably going to go because they're going to have two running backs that are really good there. They're in such a tough division that, you know, they can take the steps in the right direction, but I just, they're so far from being competitive. And, and Jets take, you know, you got to win this month. Just take it for the next 12 because it's not going to be the best season. It's going to have your ups and downs, but this is absolutely a win here. Uh, we'll just burn through these, Robert. Give me a grade. We saw Kenneth Walker out of Michigan State end up, or Ken Walker as he wants to go, to the Seattle Seahawks. Personally, I felt like maybe not the best fit right now considering what more they need on that team. But only two quarter or only two running backs under contract this year, um, or you know going into next year, I guess you'll have both Rashad Penny and Chris Carson gone if Chris Carson even plays this year. Walker seems like a Seahawks pick. I can give it a B. Yeah, I'll give it a C plus. I, it didn't really move me anyway. They had so many needs at the time that it was kind of a reach for me. Yeah, I think he fits well there, but his year probably is more two years from now unless uh, uh, Rashad Penny does get hurt, which is possible. Uh, AJ Booth to the Vikings. They got Lewis seen in the first round, which I love him. I, it'll be interesting to see how they use him with, with uh, Harrison Smith. But AJ Booth, the guy who was one of my favorites, those core injuries like he has scares me. So I don't know if he'll be out ready to start week one or not. Um, but he's immediately a starter for you. I mean, you have Cam Dantzler, you have him, and then you have Patrick Peterson. So already an improvement on the secondary. I give it an A minus as long as health's not an issue. Yeah, I give it a B. I, I think this way with all Vikings cornerbacks. I'm like, they finally got their guy. Finally got their guy. It doesn't work out. Seen to me is the pick there. And you talked about it. it. I think it allows them to move a safety down in the box, kind of play an additional linebacker there and really get after the pass rush. But great pick. And if you're a Vikings fan that don't know who Seen is, he's a hard hitter and go watch some film. Yep. Now we'll move on. I don't want to talk a lot on this player in this team because we'll talk about him in a second but David Ajabo in the second round of the Ravens we're going to talk about the Ravens but David Ajabo the value after falling out because of the Achilles tear it seems like this is a place where he will thrive being great friends uh with an already you know a pass rusher on the team that got out of Penn State last year um so I'm going to give that a, a B just because it's the value you got if he can come back healthy yep I'm fine with B uh then obviously Sky Moore the Chiefs give that an A minus value there even though he was about like the ninth wide receiver taken um I think uh Sky Moore has a uh, pretty high ceiling there for the Chiefs. Uh, maybe not so, you know, start the season, but by the end of the year, I think he's making an impact. Yeah, I'll give it an A just the way their board fell and where they got him. And the other one is the first tight end off the board was Trey McBride out of Colorado State. Goes to the Cardinals. You know, I give it a, I'm going to give it a C plus. Love the player. I like the fit. I don't like the fact that he won't make probably an impact until Zach Ertz is gone in a year or so. But uh, who knows what their quarterback situation is down the road. But Trey McBride is a hell of a player. Um, and I will like to, you know, just interested to see how his career will pan out. Yeah, I'll give it a C their whole you know draft process and how everything played out just seemed kind of messy at the time with Hopkins going on and different things. So it's not anything against him, but I feel like there was other needs at well, the point. And too. obviously they traded for Hollywood Brown and then they bring in Trey McBride. 
I, I they obviously knew Hopkins was going to be suspended during this time. Mm-hmm. So what they did is they made it so like they've got two tight ends now. They have another wide receiver. I mean, they were just playing, I think, to to replace Hopkins. A few picks here in the third round, Robert Desmond Ritter to the Falcons. Could have gotten him in the first. We thought it would have been fine. Or not fine, but it would have been a reach, but like mm-hmm. it was mocked. Could have gotten him in the second. We'd been happy. Gets him in the third. I give it an A. I think you could still draft a quarterback next year in the top five if you finish there. But Desmond Ritter gives you a backup to Mariota. I think that was my comp for Desmond Ritter actually was Marcus Mariota. So it's just hilarious that what you know that they end together. What do you give him? Yeah, I give him an A minus. I, I think he has the chance to be starting this year and get some games in, but I, I do think he could be the dark horse in this year's draft. Then I've got, you know, Bernard Raymond, we talked as a late first round pick as a tackle, ends up at the Colts. Um, I know there's an injury concern and whether he can be a true left tackle, but I give, it a, I give it a B plus. Yeah, I'll give it a B plus too. I think he falls into the right situation for him. Greg Dulcich, tight end UCLA, you know, second best tight end. Some would say first, but, you know, more of a pass catcher maybe than Trey McBride. Ends up at the Broncos. So him and Albert O will contend, you know, they can run some two tight end sets. Might not make a huge impact year one, but, um, you know, I think that team had some more needs on it, but they were also taking best value there. I give it a B. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it an A. And the reason for this is Albert O was connected to Drew Locke. Drew Locke's gone. Nothing against Albert O. My only concern is Russell Wilson's not famous for using his tight ends. But I think this sort of talent in his hands, I think he'll be used a lot. Absolutely. Now, uh, Nicole Dean goes to my Eagles in the third round. Um, it's hard not to give it an A minus considering Nicole Dean was talked as a first round talent, one of the best linebackers in football. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'll give it an A. And we talked about this as we were just starting this next segment here. But I, I think he could be that eight to 10 year player, maybe not be a pro bowl or all pro, but he'll solidify a position that the Eagles have struggled with for quite a while. Yep. And then uh, Jalen Tolbert, wide receiver out of uh, was that, know, Alabama State or mm-hmm. North Alabama, one of those, um, goes to the Cowboys. I just wanted to talk about it just because, you know, you're going to have him, Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, but they're building up that three wide receiver set. Uh, I give it a B because I think it was a good value on Jalen Tolbert, who was really talked about as a second round tight end yeah, or wide a, receiver. I'll give it a B too. I, I, I think a lot of people, especially me, were kind of like, oh crap, he went to the Cowboys. He's not a Cowboys fan, but I, I think he could be, you know, that next up and comer that really comes out of a small school. Yep. Uh, and then two quarterbacks, of course, Malik Willis and Matt Corral. Um, you know, Malik Willis, obviously we know it goes to the Titans and Matt Corral to the Panthers. Um, I give both B pluses and just across the board, I think Malik Willis, where his value goes to the Titans, what they could potentially be if he hits a ceiling. I like that. Matt Corral there as well. Actually, no, Matt Corral C minus because I forgot they had to trade up for Matt Corral and they gave up a pick next year, which they're going to be in the quarterback market next year. Yeah, I'll give uh, Corral, I'll give it a C. It, it doesn't really do anything. I get they were connected with him through some things. Malik Willis, the value they got him in A, because I thought he was going to be the quarterback in this who would be the absolute superstar. Now, I'm not a fan of him with the Titans. And he was compared to Steve McNair, so it makes sense there. But I don't know if they have the offensive coaching that'll really push him to that next level because Ryan Tannehill hasn't. So if he truly has, you know, all of this step or all these steps he has to hit to get to the next level, I don't know if that's the place where he'll find that offensive coordinating because Arthur Smith had gone to the Falcons. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how it fits. We know that there's the issue right now with Tannehill there and, um, you know, whether or not he's going to be the mentor, but, um, you know, at least they get a guy who the fans are going to be able to get behind. Hopefully sure. the fans are patient enough though. <laughs> They'll be pushing for him I after know, the performance last year. But now we're going to get into our, our love and our hates here. The the five teams that we loved their draft, the five teams that we hate. We're going to kind of go through this fast because we've talked about these prospects. Like I said, we could do this all day. Uh, we start with number five team drafts we love. Eagles, we give them a B plus um, just to run it. You know, of course, they get Jordan Davis 
at 14 or at 13, I think uh, they get Cam Jurgens, who I knew they loved as a center in the second round for Nebraska, Nicobe Dean in the third. And of course they trade for AJ Brown. Any other thoughts? Nope. Those are the three perfect points. Packers. We have at number four. We give them an a minus. We're not being biased here. I mean, <laughs> the, these were just good drafts. Quay Walker, Devonte Wyatt, Christian Watson, Sean Ryan, uh, your favorite out of this all was Zach Tom. Zach Tom from Wake Forest as a lineman. Romeo Dubs. They even get an edge out of South Carolina. And Kinsey, I can never pronounce his last name, <laughs> but an edge who you know has the pedigree to, to make an impact there. And for Samari Torre, a guy from a wide receiver Nebraska. from Nebraska, I got to see and I love watching this guy play Came last from year. Community college, and you know, coming from Montana where he was at yeah. or whatever, he was a he was an All Mac, and you know, the guy has talent. These three wide receivers, I'm with Robert. Romeo Dubs is more of the impact day one good route runner. Got that good I, hands, that route I think, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers could be tied to. And for those of you who say Homer right off the bat, it's not the first couple picks that get me with this. It's the late round guys that I look at and say, these guys could be impactful. And that's where you get your value in drafts. And again, we didn't put them at the top of our list. So just chill at home. <laughs> um, number three, we have the Chiefs and A minus as well. But Trent McDuffie, George Karloff, just Sky Moore. Uh, safety Brian Cook from uh, Cincinnati can also you know be a starter by his second year. Leo Chanel, underrated linebacker out of Wisconsin that I really liked, and then Darian Kennard, who's a center from um, center guard from from Kentucky, who I think you know as a backup or rotational piece. But they got starters there. I mean McDuffie, Karloftis, and, and Sky Moore, uh, and then Leo Chanel. I think are all going to be starters. Duffy was mu- much needed in that secondary. And where they got him, you know, he was talked as a top twenty guy. Uh, Jets, we give them an A, you know, Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, Jermaine Johnson, Brees Hall, and then Jeremy Rucker at tight end. I know they had a brought in two tight ends this year, but just top heavy draft here for the Jets. And I want to touch on this. I give it an A plus 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 plus. Every year though, the Jets, it's the Jets have done it. The Jets have done it. The Jets, at some point it's got to result in wins. But as they went through the draft and the trades they made and this and that, I went, Oh my God. I mean this is a team of the future, but now you got to translate it to wins. At least, though, yeah, you're in a position where there's talent there to be able to evaluate, like Zach Wilson or like coaching a Robert yeah. Sala. But yeah, Jets. Yeah, Joe Douglas killed it. Yeah, Jets. You got your Super Bowl in the offseason. Uh, number one, though, Ravens. A plus plus to me like here every year. Again, a team that masterful at trading down, getting players, Best and getting available. value. Right, so they traded. They had six picks in the fourth round, and that's you're talking six. The second through fourth is probably my favorite for the value there. Yeah, you the get players. starters immediately. They go Kyle Hamilton, Linderbaum. Yep. So both starters immediately. Yep. David Ajabo, a piece that can build and potentially an elite edge rusher. Yeah, and Hamilton healthy. and Linderbaum, the best at their positions. Oh, 100%. Travis Jones, defensive tackle. Yep. We talked as a, a, a maybe the 20th overall yep. immediate impact Great player. Great prospect going to a team where they do really well with training. Yeah, Daniel Falalea, I think is what Falale. it is, as a, as a potential guard for them. I know mm-hmm. he played tackle. He'll slot in. Then Jalen Armour Davis is a corner I talked about from Alabama, yep. one-year starter, but showed flashes as a high recruit that he could be something as like a number two, number three in the league. And, and they have great veteran leadership there with their secondary yeah. that can help train him. And then two tight ends in Charlie Kohler and Isaiah Likely. Two guys that I would have loved to see anywhere else because I wanted to see how good Isaiah they could Likely be. hurt me because yeah. that's who I wanted really bad. And he went a lot earlier than I thought he might. And Charlie Kohler was my star sleeper tight end. They go to a place where there's already a dominant one in Mark Andrew, but as a backup to Mark Andrew, as a guy, they might run two tight end sets now after, uh, you know, or predominantly after trading Marquise Brown. Um, Ravens, again, just absolutely. Yeah, and with Ozzie Newsome, you know, retiring however many years ago in the Hall of Fame, 
that continues. Ozzie Newsom set that going forward. They take best available, and the Ravens kill it every year. Absolutely. So we'll now move on to teams that we we just you know didn't love their draft, and a few of them we actually truly hated. But we talked about it earlier. We, we kind of hinted at it. Number five, I've got the Jags, really only because of Trevon Walker. I give him a C plus because Trevon Walker was the reach. If it was Aiden Hutchinson or it was maybe a Kwanu or something here, they're not on this list to me because they get Devin Lloyd, they get Chad Muma, two linebackers I loved. But again, you draft linebackers because you cut Miles Jack. Yeah. So I don't, you know, I don't love that there. I just like the, those players. Uh, that you know, that's really anything else to add on no, the Jags. I'm, I'm not even going to talk about it because someday if we ever became famous and he goes back to this. There's a lot of info out there that he would kill me for. But, you know, the Rams now at number four. They didn't have a pick in the top 100. They give them a C plus only because they draft those guys nobody really knows a ton about. They get two guards, a corner, and two safeties that really were were players that maybe fit their system but kind of maybe reaches. And then Kyron Williams, the running back out of Notre Dame, who had slid down boards and really replaces what they're going to lose with Sony, Sony Michelle now. Um, but again, F Sean picks, you know, <laughs> exactly. They get rid of all the picks. It's hard to, you know, knock them when they're winning Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, these guys could absolutely flourish in a Sean McVay system. So number three, though, and I'll let you talk about it, but the Bears, we give them a C. I like Kyler Gordon and I like Jaquan Brisker in the secondary. They needed help there. But then they only draft Bayless Jones. And we were talking before this. If Bayless Jones ends up at like, you know, the Rams or the Niners, People might love this player because I actually like what I see on film from the 25-year-old rookie. I just don't love that they didn't just take and draft four wide receivers to yeah. get something there for uh, Fields because then they go three offensive linemen, a running back, and a cornerback and an edge. Yeah, why they didn't end up with a Romeo Dubs or the guy out of Boise State? Uh, Shakir. Shakir, yep. who went to the Bills, amazing pick. But they have so much need to try to help Justin Fields you know, get to that next level and really know what he is. I feel like they failed him. They didn't get anybody in free agency either. Uh, traded Khalil Mack. The defense gets worse. I, I feel like they're setting themselves up to go, okay, we got a top three pick. But if you have Justin Fields, are you really going to go get a quarterback? So I I left and you traded so much in the past that it kind of left you empty this year. But I just – I don't understand it. I, I don't. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, that's what they fall in at. You know, I like – I, I give them an F. It's the worst draft in my opinion. Okay. We move now to the Patriots with a C. Again, you don't ever want to give Patriots a bad grade because these ones can make you look just like assholes. And Patriots draft Cole Strange in the first round. Love the player. And I even highlighted him as a sleep runner thing. I thought he was a late second, early third type player. Of course, they get him in the first. They get Tyquan Thornton, a guy, yeah, I love the speed and the size. Don't love the the profile it, of Tyquan it, Thornton. It's a weird receiver. fit in their system. And then I love Marcus Jones, the corner and safety. Mm-hmm. He is a dynamic punt returner, kick returner, and a slot. Maybe a, you know, maybe you can play on the outside. And you know, that's kind of thing that uh, you know these guys do is they bring in these corners and then they develop them like J.C. Jackson. But other than that, you know, Pierre Strong, Bailey Zappi. I don't think they get starters because their biggest need coming in was edge rusher and linebacker in my opinion and they didn't get one yeah and my biggest thing is all you belichick guys that are like he's great all these great players he gets late he sucks in the first two and three rounds he's not he does yeah and then we moved on my least favorite draft was the washington commanders i give him a d i don't like to give f's really because again it only takes it only takes one of these guys to hit to make me look like an idiot but i give a d to the washington commanders i like Jahan dotson as a player don't like that they drafted a guy that really just seems like a, a replacement potentially, um, you know, for for Terry McLaurin there. 
kind of similar players, similar profiles. I thought they could have used a guy like Drake London or somebody a little bit bigger potentially. Uh, but they draft the defensive tackle. They get Mathis out of Alabama. You already have a great D line. I know there's depth and they might move off. But again, you could fill in starters with safeties, with linebackers. Because then they get Robinson run back out of Alabama. Which, yeah, and they already don't use the most out of Gibson. So. Yeah, and you already you brought back um, McKissick. McKissick as well. And then you get Sam Howell in the fifth. But there's some value there. But again, I look around and did I say, you did tell you Carson get... Wentz? Because he might get pissed. And he doesn't eat red meat. So again, <laughs> I want to see that those two go out to dinner sometime and see how that turns out. Just overall, though, I don't think the Washington Commanders really brought in a potential starter in a different position. They got some replacement pieces and it was a team that had some glaring holes going into the draft. We want to wrap up this episode and talking about the schedule release. Of course, you're probably very familiar uh, with some of the big games coming up or some of the easier, harder schedules and, and what to look forward to. But we wanted to just talk about, you know, what we're seeing as the top, you know, five easiest scheduled game or scheduled teams and then the, and the hardest teams. So you can start looking forward to whether or not you think, um, you know, these teams are playoff bound or not. Uh, and then we'll get into some of the, you know, maybe key games coming up this year, the fun ones to put on your, you know, calendar or circle uh, to make sure you're ready to watch. But these are the, the, the parts of the, you know, season or the offseason we really look, we look forward to, not the schedule release, because I think that's incredibly overrated, but I love seeing what games are coming up to be able to say, you know, this week, you know, on, on this Monday night, I'm really excited to get home from work and, and watch, you know, this game. Yeah, and to preface this, um, out of all major sports, NFL has the highest turnover rate when it comes to playoff teams the next year. So it's great to be like, that's the easiest schedule, but the highest turnover rate. And I mean, one year you can go, I got the easiest schedule and get whooped by teams like the Bengals that come out of nowhere. Yeah. So we start, you know, the fit the we'll start with the easiest schedules here. There's a uh, kind of, I, I thought it'd been a more of a uniform consensus around different websites and different articles that, you know, picking the easiest and most difficult schedules, but we've kind of come up with the commanders and the Cowboys tied with the easiest schedules. Cowboys always have the easiest schedule for some reason. And this year, the NFC East just has the easiest section of schedule or the easiest schedules uh, this year. Cause then at number three, we have the Eagles and at four, the giants. Mm. So the whole NFC East comes into our top four. Do they play the AFC South? They do play the <laughs> AFC South and they've got the, then the NFC North this year, as well as what of course the two in division <laughs> games. So, it just, you know, you look at a commander's team that, you know, obviously what version of Carson Wentz are you getting? So it's hard to tell there. Cowboys, we don't see repeat teams very often there. But again, I think the Cowboys have to be your favorites with the Eagles close behind. But again, if Daniel Jones takes whatever leap maybe with Brian Dabble as head coach, do the Giants have a chance at maybe, you know, stealing some wins in the NFC? Yeah, and the only thing that says me about the top four teams is it's going to be really close in the division on record since they all, you know, obviously have the same schedules and it's a weak schedule you're going to see, you know, really competitive at the end of the year for for that division. And then at 5, we talked about it, Lions, can they make some noise because they come in with a with an easier schedule, of course. I think they could steal a win from the Packers this year, steal a win from the Vikings. They do every year. And then I think they just absolutely sweep the Bears. Yeah, but... and I'm bigger on the Lions than a lot of people and as a Packers fan it hurts me to say that, but I think there is a lot of potential building there. Yep. So that's those are the easiest schedules we've seen this year. Um, I don't need to spend a ton of time on it. We'll move to the hardest schedules. Uh, and depending on where you look, Rams and Steelers look like they kind of have the hardest schedule. Steelers have a really, really tough first 10 games. So maybe you throw Mitch Trubisky out there for a little bit of a stretch. See if he has anything, because if not, then you let Kenny Pickett go and without throwing him into the fire. But a tough run for the Steelers to start the year, but also the Rams. Having, you know, looking at the which division has the hardest schedule, I thought maybe it was going to be the AFC West. It's actually the NFC West with 
having the hardest schedule this year. Um, so Rams at one, Cardinals are in there as well, uh, as well as the 49ers. A lot of that plays into those teams are so good and play in the division. The opposite of the NFC yep. East, obviously, on the other side. But that adds a lot into it is that division is so Then tough. the Bengals at three and the Bucks at four. So you, obviously you're seeing playoff teams here. Mm. And then the Chiefs, at, Chiefs and Niners are tied kind of with the fifth hardest schedule. So you have teams here, you know, are going to see what they're worth. Are the Cardinals legitimate or not? They've got a hard schedule. I would think this year you might be seeing a team that underperforms. Bengals, are you legit? You've got a hard schedule this year because everybody's coming for you after you won the AFC. Bucks, you know, you bring Brady back. They're also being talked about as Super Bowl favorites coming out of the NFC. But you've got to get through the Rams. Uh, you know, you have both have tough schedules. And then the Chiefs, no more Tyree Kill, no more Tyron Matthew. We'll find out if the Chiefs, you know, losing key players like that can really – you know, repeat uh, their success with that tough division. But those are our hardest schedules and our easiest schedules. So, you know, like the way I look at these is bet accordingly. You know, I'm going to look at some of these schedules and look whether or not some teams can hit their over-unders as well. And then to wrap this up, we just wanted to talk about what maybe are considered some of the better games, some of the better matchups to come out of the season. So we'll start week 10. Cowboys Packers, Robert, return of Mike McCarthy. What do you think about that matchup? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if he gets booed or not when he shows up. He's won a Super Bowl there. Um, I think you know, that'll determine, I think, things really late in the year on seeding because of the Cowboys and Packers. But it's going to be interesting when those two get together, especially in Lambeau. And to me, this is a must-win Packers game, right? You Mike McCarthy coming back, you can't get beat by him. Uh, and then you also, like you said, for seeding purposes, you need to uh, you need to make sure that you, you, you take the Cowboys down. Week 15, uh, Bengals-Bucks. And I think this is a big one here too, right? You're talking week 15. Now, towards the end of the year here, the Bengals uh, go to the Bucks, I believe. Uh, again, it'll, it'll show can can uh, the Bengals contend with a team they might have to meet in a potential Super Bowl. Also, you know the Bucks maybe solidifying a first seed or a bye here this late in the year. Uh, week twelve, we have the Rams and Chiefs. We know these games tend to be shootouts when you get to these games. Uh, again, this will be one of those matchups, a potential Super Bowl matchup. Then, Robert, you could talk about this one. Week 8, Packers versus the Bills on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, going to be a great game to watch. I'm a little scared, though. The Bills, Josh Allen, that's going to be hard to keep up with. Um, I'm hoping that by Week 8, we kind of know what the wide receiver core looks like. A lot of it's going to be running game, but I would take Bills right now in this. And what are your thoughts? I know the Cardinals play the Chiefs Week 1, and uh, you know I've, I've heard people think like that might be the time that you want to play the Chiefs a little bit because of – you know, new wide receiver core, new offense, maybe having some, you know, some difficulties in the first week or two. I don't think you want to play Andy Reid in week one. His his record, like Belichick, are just not great. It's not a good odds. And that was going to be my point with that is Andy Reid off buys or week one are amazing. Now you want them week two, three, or four. They kind of came out of the gate struggling last year. I think that's going to be the case again this year. But week one, especially with all the things that are happening with the Cardinals internally, I think it's Chiefs all the way. All right, then we move now. We have the Bills versus Bengals on Monday Night Football in week 17. So we're talking right towards the end of the year. Again, AFC, is this a potential AFC championship game? They might be meeting, you know, four weeks later uh, in a playoff game. And and as we go, here's my concern. Are the Bengals going to live up to what they were last year? Are they going to falter back into kind of that, oh, they're the Cincinnati Bengals? So who knows by this point? could be an ugly game i've been hearing a lot of comments of like yeah Bengals might not be used to playing afternoon and yeah, evening games you know? you know not having any primetime games so week 13 chiefs versus Bengals, another Bengals matchup they're getting obviously with mm-hmm. joe burrow with jamar chase uh another potential matchup we'll see in the playoffs uh and then the one i think a lot of people are waiting for week six bills versus chiefs 
that rematch of that epic playoff game. Uh, I think this is where the Bills will overtake the Chiefs, and you get the conversation. Josh Allen maybe better than Mahomes. Chief, you know, Bill is better than the Chiefs, and they're the favorites. Week four, you get the Chiefs versus the Bucks on Sunday Night Football. You see even a common theme here. It's the Chiefs, it's the Bucks, it's the Bills, it's the Bengals. Uh, but give me your thoughts on this one, Robert. Week one, Bills versus Rams in L.A., I believe. I think with the change in offensive coordinator potentially with the Bills, mm-hmm. traveling across, across the country, Rams are probably going to come out to try to prove they were the, you know, the, the true champions. I think the Rams – you know, win this one probably to start off the season. We're talking about repeating potentially for the Rams. Yeah, and I'm going opposite. I think there's such a bad taste in the Bills' mouths for how this thing ended. They're going to come out this year with the revenge tour just like they did last year. But I think it's, you know, important for them to be the number one seed in the AFC with how stacked it is. So I think week one targeted. Then we have a Broncos at Seattle opener, which I think is just, you know, I only want to highlight it because I think it's funny that – bad. Russell Wilson's first game in a Broncos uniform is actually up in Seattle where he's used to playing. Marketing so is different than performance. It's going to be really funny. I don't think it's going to be much of a game, but it's it's just a it's a funny first game. Uh, and then the, our last one we're going to end on is homers here. Packers at Eagles week 12, the Sunday after Thanksgiving. It's a our night game, game, a night game. You know, it's going to be a fun one. Uh, but I think it's an important one too, as we talk Packers, Cowboys being important. I think these are two obviously potential division winners uh and i think playoff seating is going to be very important yeah and i have a couple to add here too because they announced cripple or christmas triple header this year so we got three games on christmas and i know michael's excited too eagles play the saturday christmas eve correct yep i I think most of the other games um packers dolphins that'd be a noon game central time uh broncos rams another division game or not division game but another good game with you know two kind of marquee teams right now the night game, the Buccaneers and Cardinals. So we've also seen, you know, there's a lot of games overseas this year. I know the Packers play the Giants overseas. The Eagles play. Eagles don't play overseas. Oh, Vikings play the Saints overseas. That's yep. what I was thinking of. Uh, the Buccaneers play overseas against the Seahawks in Germany. So a lot of different games this year. The Cardinals play in Mexico this year against the 49ers. Uh, and obviously you got your Thanksgiving games this year. I don't know what. I'm going to try to go off the cuff on these. It, I think it's the, the Lions, Bills, Giants. Giants and Cowboys, and then the uh, Patriots and Dolphins. Correct. Um, on Thanksgiving. Yeah. So. so we we talked about this Dolphins getting Thanksgiving and Christmas, so no holiday break for them this year. Yeah. No, I think I, I like a lot of the primetime games. You're going to see a lot of the same teams, but of course, uh, you know, you'd rather watch them than watching the Falcons, uh, you know, or or the you know some of these other teams that you could potentially watch week one or you know every week. But um, you know, we're excited for the upcoming schedule. Of course, some of the future episodes are going to touch on any, you know, updates on the off season. And we're going to get into our, you know, obviously breakdowns of the division as the, you know, off or as the year gets closer. And then we'll do some fantasy football talk too, because we always like to do that as drafts, uh, you know, start happening in, in early August. So uh, of course, always send any recommendations you want to hear on episodes. We'd love to do some fun episodes. If you have some thoughts, obviously get in touch with us on Facebook um, or email at qtfpodcast uh, at gmail.com. So so make sure you're reaching out, staying in touch, uh, looking for us on the socials, uh, giving us any ideas you might have. But let us know your thoughts. What do you give your team for a grade? What do you think of our grades as well? Yeah, and one shout out before we go. We kind of looked at, you know, our demographics of where things are. So we've seen Germany, Ireland. We've had some shout outs from listeners there. So if you're listening in these locations, thank you. Um, our second biggest state that listens within the states is Ohio. So Ohio fans, we appreciate you. Yeah, I mean, and we appreciate everybody listening, tuning in. Give us your recommendations on episodes. 
stay connected. Be a friend, tell a friend. Yeah, we always like sharing. If you can, we'd like to reach as many people as possible. So always stay in touch, reach out uh, and share if you can. And and we appreciate all the support. So as always, keep it sleazy. We're out.